If you have your Bibles, turn to the exciting chapter of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. My introductory slide last week showed the two, two sides of um, Ecclesiastes. You got under the sun, and then you got the fear of God. You got under the sun, the worldly point of view, which has been chapters 1 through 6. And now, Ecclesiastes, or excuse me, Solomon, is finally seeing the light. And he's given us an encouraging admonition on how to have a heavenly viewpoint. That's wisdom. Amen. And so I want to um, read verses 1 through 12. And uh, I really want to preach this whole chapter, but it would take about four hours and 34 minutes. But um, uh, So we ain't got that time. Y'all don't either. Um, but um, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Let's stand all the Word of God. I'll read one verse and you read one verse. And when you get to the word better, I want you to emphasize it. I mean, shout it out. Amen. Oh, you don't have to do that. Just, just emphasize it. Amen. Notice it. And then when you see the word wisdom, notice it. Underline it in your soul. I'll read the first verse. Y'all read the second on to verse 12. It says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It is better than to go to the house of feasting. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart It is better to hear the rebuke of a wise man, of the wise man, than for a man to hear the song of fools. There's a crackling. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resisteth, resteth in the bosom of fools. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the Son. You may be seated as we pray. Amen. No, let's, let's read verse 12 all together. I almost left off the text. Amen. For wisdom knowledge is wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Amen. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes and thank you dear God for the heavenly viewpoint that Solomon's finally getting after many mistakes and after a lot of heartache and pain God and a lot of idolatry and wickedness and Lord thank you for the fulfillment of his calling in these verses and following 
God, help us to realize the conclusion of the whole matter is to fear you and keep your commandments. And Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom to do that. God, help us to realize a heavenly point of view on everything we do, our priorities, our energies, our actions. God, help us not to be foolish by being subservient to the things of the world. God, give us wisdom to be free and to profit eternally for your glory. God, help us to have the viewpoint of God as we study and hear your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is wisdom? It ought to be valued. You ought to value wisdom more than you value anything. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, I believe, is in all you're getting, you ought to get wisdom. You ought to treasure wisdom. And the question is, what is wisdom? I once preached at Crown College in a chapel service, and I preached on while you get an education, get some wisdom. And wisdom, the value of wisdom is in this chapter is so wonderful. Wisdom is referenced to 12 times in this one chapter. Um, the word better shows up seven times. So it's better to have wisdom. And the thinking wisely and living better. It summarizes this chapter in one sentence. It would simply be this. Wisdom clarifies my priorities, stabilizes my heart, and sustains my pace. Wisdom is simply God's perspective or God's view. It is a combination of three things. Number one, and this is not in the outline yet, brother, uh, knowledge. That's knowing what is true. Insight. That's seeing how truth impacts our circumstances. A lot of people say under the circumstances. Why are you under the circumstances? You're supposed to be under Christ. Amen. And then not only knowledge, knowing what is true, insight, seeing how truth impacts my life, my circumstances, what I'm going through. That's what really counts. And then understanding. That's putting truth and insight into action. So you got a combination of knowledge, insight, and understanding and wisdom. And these three will set you free. It's a breakthrough for you to make some great discernment in your life or decisions. Let me give you a few definitions of wisdom. Wisdom is God's sense. God's sense. I believe God's got good sense. Amen? I don't believe the devil's got a lick of sense. Amen? I think he's a fool. To give up heaven for his own exaltation, that's about as foolish as you can get. To go to hell because you want to be the head choir leader, God help him. He's a fool. The devil's a fool, and he wants to fool you. Wisdom simply what would make perfect sense if you were God. Wisdom is what would make perfect sense if you were God. If you happen to have access to God's mind, which you do, and it's right here, God's Word. You that's listening by radio. And I want to tell you something, friend, or wherever you're listening. God's word is God's voice. So God's voice is God's wisdom. Warning, wisdom will correct you. It will reprove you. If you've got enough wisdom, you'll realize you can't live like you want to. You want to live like God wants you to. And you fear God. You actually reverence God. God is always knows better than you. That's wisdom. Can somebody say amen to that? God always knows better than you. And he's always right. 
And a lot of times men think they're always right. But we're not always right. Most of the time we're wrong. Because we're trying to fill it out or figure it out or finagle it out. Folks, we need to see life through a clearer, longer, truer lens. Um, we need to realize this is an upstream swim against this wisdom of the world. You know, the world's so selfish. The world's so sensual. The world's so self-centered. that we have movements today that literally kill babies because they want to have the career, uh, their, their job is their career. Their God is themselves. And that's not wise. Wisdom is, there's a baby in your womb, have it. Praise God. And if you can't afford to have it, adopt it out to somebody that's been longing for a baby. Boils my blood. And people want to self-analyze themselves and they want to protest and they want to cry out that we have rights. You have, you have no right except what God says is right. Amen. This, this, this selfish rights movement and me also movement, folks, a lot of times it comes self-centered. And I believe, friend, we ought to not realize we ought to realize that God is right. And if God says one man, one woman can, constitutes a marriage, that's what marriage is, amen? Don't, re, don't redefine what God has already defined. That's abomination to God. Who you think you are shaking your fist at God, passing laws against God, legislating against God? I want to tell you something, friend. In one second, he could wipe out America in a second. He shakes up a Florida in one, one whirlwind. South Georgia's underwater right now. And folks, don't mess with God. Amen. Amen. Don't challenge God, America. I want to say, America, you need wisdom. I need wisdom. Every family in this church needs wisdom. I'm not mad, I'm sad. Let me just, let me just from the outside looking in, wise people appear to be lucky. I don't believe in good luck. I believe in a good Lord. My mother was so superstitious, she wouldn't even walk under a ladder. And if a cat come, a black cat crossed her path, she'd throw salt in the path. I said, don't waste that salt, praise God. Throw the salt shaker at the cat, praise God, but don't waste, you know. She didn't like the number 13. That was always my number when I played soccer. And that's why I broke two teeth, one leg, one knee, maybe... Maybe it is bad luck. But uh, I don't believe in bad luck and good luck. The superstition stuff, that, that's close to witchcraft, say amen. It's not good luck, it's good Lord. And folks, it's, a, it's the best time of your life when you stop trying to get lucky and start getting submissive to what God wants. From the outside looking in, wise people appear to be lucky, but in, in a more thoughtful, up-close inspection, they aren't lucky. They're wise. In some cases, wisdom is what you know to be true, but refuse to admit it. Sometimes it is truth you avoid with the noise of life. Wisdom is the inevitable conclusion. Sometimes regrets. Reckon with, with before they happen. It's reckoned before it happens. Folks, there is a consequence for sin. That is wisdom. There's a consequence of getting pregnant. There's consequences of wisdom. Amen? Don't make two wrongs uh, trying to get one right. Folks, we can mess it up if we put our hands on it. Amen? 
Wisdom is the courage to face reality and to respond appropriately. Not good luck. It's a good Lord. Now I want to give you about five or six things, Brother Cody, about how we can have wisdom. Verse 1. We need to grasp the better life. Verse 1 through 8, really. We need to grasp the better things of life. You know, don't be quick to argue against God. That's the behavior of fools. Look at um, verse 9. It says, He be not hasty in the spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. I've actually seen people get mad at God for not blessing them. And folks, don't worry and long for the days gone by, verse 10. Live today and face the concerns of today. Know that wisdom's like an inheritance. It's a great value. In verse 13 and 14 that we didn't read, it says, Consider the work of God. Who can make that straight which, which hath made crooked? He's the only one who can straighten out this mess. If we had enough wisdom to know that, we'd get in the church and stop wasting all our time in, in politics. Say amen right there. I want to tell you something. What we need uh, is revival. And it ain't going to come through Trump or Kavanaugh or Pelosi. It ain't going to come through some politician. They're at best saved and growing. At worst, they're lost and dying. But I want to tell you something, friend. It'll come through God. And you need the church. And you need God. Look at verse 14. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God also has set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. In other words, we need to have the wisdom to know that we're reaping what we sowed. Uh, we might have to apologize to this next generation for dropping the ball. When they grow up, we're going to have to explain why we let down the guard. And old-fashioned religion went out the back door and the contemporary movement moved in. We're going to have to answer to God on that. Know that wisdom makes a person stronger. Verse 19, it says, Wisdom strengthens the wise more than uh, the mighty men which are in the city. Folks, I want to tell you something. A wise man is a strong man. And a, and a smart man is a wise man. And a wise man makes godly decisions. And it guards against the seduction and the immoral world that we live in. Look at verse 26. It says, And I find more bitter than, than death the woman whose heart is snare and nets and her hands as bands whose pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. That's the seductive nature of sin. That's a... Uh, look at verse 27. Behold, this have I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the count, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. In other words, they, men are seeking pleasure, Instead of God, they're worshiping the creation instead of the creator. They're worshiping the blessings instead of the blesser. And folks, if God's blessed you, 
with a good home and a good TV and good children. Don't worship them. Worship God. We take the, we take the things of, uh, uh, that God's blessed us with and make them God's. That's about the foolish thing I've ever seen in my life. We need to be wise enough to know every perfect, good and perfect gift coming from above. And folks, we ought to be grateful to God. Folks, if you shake your fist at God and say you don't need Him, you might just stop breathing. All you that's going into surgery, you'll see your little heart on that monitor. Beep, beep, beep. What a blessing that is beeping. Amen? Come on, John, say amen. He was nervous, now he's really nervous. But wait a minute. Folks, listen. God help us. Every step's a blessing. Every breath's a blessing. Every thought's a blessing. Everything that's good cometh from above. And I want to just give you these things real quick to get you in perspective on wisdom. Number one, grasp the better things of life. And here's the first point. Dying with a good name is better than being born in riches. Look at verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of one's birth. Folks, listen. Believers leave this earth and enter directly into the presence of God. That's a pretty good day. Now, we look at it like it's awful. And you back me up in the corner with a knife, I have the instinct to live. Amen? I'll pull out my 38. No, not really. Um, I don't have it on me. I'll hit you with the King James Bible at least. Amen? (laughs) But I want to tell you, you got an instinct to live. Amen? But I want to tell you something. Death's not that bad if you're saved. It's terrible if you're lost. A believer's toil and labor, trial and tribulation, pain and suffering all lie behind us when we die. We rest from our labors. Folks, listen, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4, we put on a new tabernacle, a new building of God. He sets us free from this old earthly body. I never thought I'd slow up. I never thought I would have aches and pains. I thought I'd just die young or die crazy. Die running into a telephone pole or something, amen. But um, boy, it, 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 it's hit me that I'm not as young as I used to be. How many of you men that's over 60 realize that? Say amen. If you don't believe it, ask your wife. She'll tell you you're getting old too. But anyway, it sets you free from this earthly body, and faith turns into sight. You long for heaven. Heaven's a wonderful place, so not, but not so for the unbeliever. There's no hope or promise of eternal life. You're going to hell. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Jesus preached on 11 times. The Bible mentions 83 times. Folks, I want to tell you something. One of the worst things you can do is die without Jesus. Die in your sins. Die without being saved. The world is all you have, so get all the gusto you can. But I want to tell you something. At the bottom of the, of the drink is dregs and regret and pain and agony. Dying with a good name is better than being born into life wealthy and prosperous. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 1. He said it this way in Proverbs 22, verse 1. It says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Let me interpret something real quick. What's a good name in the Bible? It's your testimony. It's your character. I'm not talking about your good name. 
I went to the Southwide Baptist Fellowship and they put my credit card name on my tag. Everybody said, who in the world's Kenneth Cofield? They was all giving me a hard time about that. Senior pastor, and they had me pastoring in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. They messed that label up, didn't they, praise God? I mean, I, I, mean, I was messed up. Then one, one guy comes and says, I know who you are. You're Kenneth Copeland. I said, I'm going to whop you good. <laughs> I said, I guess this is my preacher wife here too, amen. No, that ain't me. And that was Eddie Keegan, and I pray that he is punished for that statement. But anyway, dying with a good name is better than being born in wealth and prosperity and having all the earthly name. Some people are born into good families, and they blow it. Because I want to tell you something, you're born to be in his family, say amen. And if you're not saved, you're living beneath your God-given privilege, and you're glorifying the wrong name. You're glorifying your own name. And folks, there's no name under heaven whereby we must be saved except the Lord. He is Lord. He is King. And friend, you are going to die sad if you don't live for his name and live for your name. Because they're going to soon forget you. Amen. They're going to go by the cemetery and look on that thing, rest in peace. He didn't give a rip. No, you look at that, look at that, you know. I once went by a, a, a tombstone, and on the tombstone it said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest tombstone I ever read in my life, amen. But you know what really counts on those tombstones? It's the dash between the dates, amen. Folks, the dash between the dates is all that counts. What you do from the time you get saved to the time you die, that's the dash. Not when you was born and how long you live, it's, how you live. Number two, going to a funeral is better than going to a festival. Going to a funeral, the end with, uh, with a good name, but it's better to go to the funeral home than to party all the time. I use this every, if you don't want me to use this your uh, funeral sermon, you better let me know. And I'll tell you something, don't you use whirly music at your funeral or I won't preach it. I don't think it's a time to rock and roll, I think it's a time to worship God. Come on, say amen. Well, it got quiet there. But you already had Tex Ritter going to be on your funeral plan. Old brother, what's his name? That big cowboy hat drinks a lot. That's, who's going, that's who you're going to have to sing, amen? Thank you very much. No, friend, you ought to be worshiping God. I'll not be the fool, uh, foolish song, songs of the fool. I'll be songs of the wise. Uh, that, was a, that was a rabbit that was chased, but I think it needed to be shot. Amen. Better to go to the funeral home. Look at verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning. Isn't that the funeral home? Than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. I heard a preacher preach that in a funeral service, and I've used that invitation every time, almost every time. Death is every person's destiny. Hebrews 9, 27, unless the rapture takes place. How many is looking for the rapture? Amen. I ain't scared of death. It's the dying I ain't looking forward to. <laughs> Amen. I hope the rapture takes place tomorrow. Death is a matter to take serious. So it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. And I want to tell you something. You party all the time. And I want to tell you something. You're going to be like all these opioid uh, drug addicts in this town. You're not going to have reality of what really counts. Folks, wisdom is not burning your brain up with drugs. Wisdom is not getting drunk and killing somebody's innocent child. Wisdom is taking the word of God as his word and his good sense and abiding by it. Number three, sorrow is better than laughter. Now, this is really strange. Some of y'all looking at me like this is really odd. Well, take that up with Ecclesiastes. 
Because God's word's not odd. Sorrow is better than laughter. Look at verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the, by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. How many has ever been through a tough time and got closer to God? Raise your hand. How many have been through a tough time and got bitter? Don't raise your hand. Come to the altar. Because we all have. Say amen. We've got mad at God. We really have. Say, hey man, why me, Lord? Heard a preacher this morning in Murfreesboro preach. He had leukemia. And he got mad at God. He was the fastest growing uh, Josh um, Grubbs used to be up at Shannon Doyle's, his assistant pastor. And, and they have a blinking light in Somerville, Alabama. Anybody been to Somerville, Alabama? And he says it blinks quicker during hot days than it does cold days. They don't have a thermostat. They just look at that one flashing light. And I want to tell you something. God has blessed that church to run about a thousand in that little town. And he's got leukemia. And he said, Lord, why? Our church is booming. God's blessing. Souls are getting saved. People are being discipled. And now I'm dying. And he sat there. He could not even stand this morning to give his testimony. They put a, they put a stool and a platform at the South Wide Baptist Church, which I thought I'd never seen. He apologized for that. He said, I'm not a stool sitting um, contemporary, I just can't stand, I'm so weak. But God has, has arrested that leukemia by a miracle. And he, ta- he talked about what he went through and how he's grown closer to God and got more faith than he's ever had in his life because of leukemia. Folks, isn't it amazing that sometimes God has to knock the wind out of us for us to breathe spiritually? Sometimes get our attention, say amen. And everything we rock on and we're mediocre Christians and we're just in the middle of the road straddling the fence, playing footsie with the world, listening to the world's music and then God has to bring something to our life to get our attention. And at the time, it's crushing and it's suffocating. But I want to tell you something. When you go through that, you can testify that God is the only one that comforted me and God is the only one that sustained me And that in my weakness, he was strong, and that's the way you ought to stay. Don't let God have to send tribulation to get your attention. The goodness of God ought to get your attention. But sorrow brings benefit to our lives that laughter cannot. Sorrow refines the soul. Look at the verse 3. It says, for the heart is made better. You know the four C's. I've given it to you a hundred times. I gave it at the couple's retreat. Uh, this past weekend is that sometimes trouble's because of chastening. He's just whipping you. Sometimes it is because he's uh, going to give you comfort so you can comfort others. You go through a valley so you can tell people God's able to get you through that valley. Like me being a son of a drunk. And my daddy wrecking cars and burning houses and doing things that he should have never done if he'd been sober. Embarrassing us to death. And folks, I can, I, can, I can confide and help people that's addicted as a child of one that was addicted. And then sometimes it's for a change. God all can still make, uh, he can still perform miracles. Miracles. He's the miracle worker. It's his will. And if you're alive today, he's already performed a miracle in your life. Amen. And not, sometimes it's not always God's will to heal you, charismatic. Because he wants you to go to heaven. And it's better to go to heaven. 
but it's always for conforming. It's always to make you more like Jesus. Romans 8, 28 and 29. That's what this verse is saying. He refined. Wise person takes sorrow to heart. Think about the sorrow that Jesus endured. He went all the way to Calvary for you. And God help us to realize that the Lord can bear our infirmities because he took them. And he cares because he knows how it feels. And he gave his only begotten son. Number four, a wise rebuke is better than the son and and laughter of fools. A wise rebuke is better. Look at verse five. This is wisdom. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of the thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. Now listen, this also is vanity. What's the song of a fool? Well, the, the fool sang in Luke chapter 12 that I'll eat, drink, and be merry. It says, I'll live as if there's no God. I'll live and act like, I, like God doesn't own me or own anything in my life. I'll just eat, drink, and be merry. That's a song of a fool because the Lord said, Thou fool, tonight will thy soul be required of thee. And then who's all these things going to be? You can't take it with you. So don't live for the things that you think you're going to take with you. A wise rebuke is better than the laughter of a fool. Living wisely includes this. One, number one, I don't have this in the outline. Yes, I do. Uh, anticipation of correction. You know what's wise? You know what's really wise? You're not going to get away with sin. Can somebody say amen? If you're saved, you're not going to get away with it. I talked to a young boy in jail that should be sitting in these pews. He's been in jail for two months. I said, son, have you learned the lesson yet? And I said, I want to tell you something. You might just be saved. He looked at me and said, preacher, you think so? I said, yeah, you can't get away with nothing. I want to say you're the dumbest sinner I've ever seen. I didn't say that. I mean, for he gets caught at everything. I mean, they track him down. It's just amazing. And I said, you know, it just might be you're saved because the Father is tracking you down. I knew I was Lily B. Benefield Cofield's son because she'd always track me down. <laughs> she'd always find me. She'd always come after me. She made me have a paper route when I was 12 years old. Deliver paper in the sleet and the snow. I tell my children that all the time. They got so sick of that story. I used to walk to school when it was 25 below. It never got 25 below in Decatur. That's ministerially speaking. Amen. It was just 25. But I'd make a good story out of it. Amen. I said, you wimps, go ahead and go to work. Amen. I put them to work. Not too early because they need to be teenagers. Anticipation of correction. I want to tell you something, friend. For whom the Lord loveth, he scourge and chasten every son whom he receiveth. And verse 8 says, You're a bastard if you don't get chastened. That's a biblical word. I'm not cussing. Look at it. Hebrews 12 8. Don't whimper at that. Look at it. It means you are not legitimate if you can get away with sin. And sin and sin and sin and sin and never get chastened by the Father. You're, you don't have the Father. 
You don't belong to him. You ought to thank God for rebuke from the Holy Ghost. And I'll just say this, and some of y'all not, not looking like y'all enjoying this too much, but you ought to thank God for a preacher that'll preach against sin. Because that's not popular today. And it's not packing auditoriums today. But I'll tell you something, the best friend you have is a daddy and mama that say, hey, listen, that's wrong, no. You can't date the bum. If you won't come to church, you ain't dating him. You can't go to that movie. It has too many uh, terrible words in it and terrible scenes. It's the best friend you ever had is a mom or a daddy that'll say no. Anticipate correction, then accept correction. Accept correction. I found out a long time ago the key of not getting so hurt when my mother would whip me. She didn't love and she didn't, uh, she didn't literally strip a bush because I was such a bad kid. I was a real good kid. Man, I, I was an excellent kid. I made good grades. I played sports. I stayed off the road. Um, I didn't drink. I didn't, I didn't even smoke. I was a good kid. I wasn't a perfect kid. But I want to tell you something. I knew, I knew, and I accepted correction. And when my mother would spank me, if I ran, it was worse. And when I'd shot out my BB, uh, shot out my bedroom uh, window because Bubby, my best friend, who is a hoodlum now and in prison, I think you're listening, aren't you? And uh, um, no, he's not there. But uh, thank God, she whooped both of us when we ran from her. I mean, she spanked my best friend. You couldn't get away with that today, amen. That'd be somebody suing your hiney and if you, if you touched their little Johnny because he's perfect, you know. It was your son that talked him into it. But I tell you what, if I got real close to mother and hugged up to her while she was spanking me, she couldn't get such a swing, amen. So I learned, I learned. The best thing to do is just get as close as you can. And I've learned through the Lord's spankings and his chastisement, I just need to get close to God. I need to accept it, and then I need to appreciate it. You know, today I look back, and I don't think my mother was a child abuser. I don't think she was cruel. I think she loved me. One time while she spanked me, she said, you ain't going to turn out like your sorry daddy. <laughs> that was a great thing to say to a 12-year-old. I said, what do you mean by that, Mama? You know what I mean. Whop, you know said, Mom, I ain't going to turn out like him. We're going to reach him. And we did. The Lord did. And then you need to apply correction. You know what's so crazy? This ain't wise. You get spanked. You get the peace of God withdrawn from your life. And then you go back to the same slot pen that you went to. And you do it again and do it again and do it again. Out of respect, you should turn from sin. You ought to repent. When constructive criticism is properly given, at the right time, with the right spirit, and with the right motive, it's a beautiful thing. But some of you can't take constructive criticism. But you ought to be able to. There's a guy that no longer comes to our church, and I've tried my best to keep him in church, and I can't keep him in church. But he told me, he says, Brother Wayne, don't you ever give up on me, and if I ever drop out, you come and tell me off. You know how many times I've told him off because he told me that? And it don't do a bit of good. I hope you're listening. I hope the whole world is backslidden listening. Amen. I know there's two people listening. There, neither one of them is backslidden. Is it two, brother? There's none. Okay, that's really encouraging. Thank you. But anyway, 
listen, listen to me, listen to me. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need to learn a lesson when God corrects us. That's wisdom. God doesn't correct us because he's a mighty, mean God, marine sergeant. He's a loving father that knows best. And we ought to realize and fear God in that he knows best and folks, stop laughing all the time and stop going to parties all the time. Even go to the funeral home if it takes it. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's better to be rebuked by the wise than for a man to hear the songs of a fool. Now, you knew I was going to hit this, but I think it's foolish to have songs about drinking. You know? Uh, and rock, rock and roll music. If you play it backwards, you, you know, have all these sublineal songs. You know, the Beatles coming out of that junk and and uh, Nick Jaggert and all the junk they used to sing, and you'd play it back and have the selenium message like Satan is real, Satan is real. You play country music back, you know what you get backwards? You get your horse back, you get your wine back, you get your girlfriend back, you know, you get your adulterous friend back. I got better things to do than listen to the songs of a fool. Amen? I won't even listen to gospel music unless I know they walk it. Heard the Clark family today, and I love the Clark family. Brother Nathan introduced me to it. And their daddy preached with tears streaming down his face and saying his favorite singer was a man that couldn't carry a tune in a 10-gallon bucket in his church because he knew he was anointed of God. His family's sitting back there with album after album after album. He says, my favorite singer an old boy in the church that can't even carry a tune. Sometimes he's on tune, sometimes he's off tune, sometimes he's off key but he's got the anointing of God on his life. I said, man, I respect that group even better now. They got a daddy like that, Charles Clark. Went up to New Jersey. You want to, he said, that's the armpit of America. He said it, not me. That's describing, you know, he loves his people, armpit of America, you know. And he said, you know, God's done a work. God's built a great church from an old boy that's country and trained under Lester Roloff. <laughs> hey, friend, listen. Rebuke is profitable. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it clearly. There is no song that you ought to listen to that condones sexual relationships before marriage. You shouldn't listen to it. There's no song that you ought to listen to that condones and pushes drugs. But they do it. It's a song of fools. Those fools are making millions of dollars with our teenagers listening to that junk. When I was coming up, there was a guy named Alice Cooper, and he had a song about having sex with a dead corpse and made a millions of dollars on a song that wicked. That was in the 60s. Now I'd hate to think of what the messages are. Can y'all tell me, teenagers, what, what are they saying? No, y'all wouldn't admit if you if they said it. But that's wicked. That's wicked. That's a song of a fool. But I'll tell you what the song of a fool is biblically. There is no God. I have no time for God. I will not answer for God, uh, to God. And I'm just on my own. And I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because it's my stuff. That is foolish. It's God's stuff. And it's God's life. And the next time... You look at that monitor when you're in the hospital and you see that line going up and down and you hear that beep, that's from God. That's from God. 
laughter will quickly pass like burning thorns. Look at verse 6. It says, For as the crackling of the thorns under a pot, so are the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Solomon learned the hard way by listening to foolish wives with foolish gods that were not real, that sacrificed children to their gods. Wicked. Pleasure is meaningless and short-lived. Look at verse 6. It says, this is also vanity. Laughter of a fool, this also is vanity. Our time's up. But let me just give you one more. Finishing is better than beginning. Finishing or achieving goals is better than beginning. Anybody can start a work. Anybody can start a life. Most of you didn't have a choice. You got, you got bored, amen? But I'll tell you something, friend. When you finish right, it's a blessing. I think about your brother. But surely I think about your sister. Scott, I think about your brother. Rose, I think about your brother. Did I leave anybody out? I think about all our good friends. He finished right. And that's a great testimony. I preached some funerals that I didn't even refer to the person down there. I just preached the gospel because he finished so pitifully, so much in sin, so selfish. He even short, shortened his life through sin. That's a hard funeral to preach. But folks, I want to tell you something. The things that really matter require commitment, determination, and discipline. Monday night, Scott Pauley, my favorite preacher, I guess, besides my wife. No, my favorite preacher. <laughs> I'm only kidding. When I'm tired, I'm too humorous. But um, he preached my life verse, Acts 20, 24. Would you turn there? Best, best message I ever heard. I wish, I'd have, I wish I could preach it like he did. Tremendous sermon. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is my life verse. When somebody asks me to sign their Bible, which I'm amazed anybody want me to sign their Bible. And I'm not any celebrity, I'm just a servant. But it says, none of these things move me. What things? Going to Jerusalem, because he was pressed in the spirit. And they said, you're going to go to jail. And he did go to jail. You're going to die. And he did die. He had his head chopped off. Second Timothy chapter 4. Verse 6 and 7. But I want you to say this. None of these things move me. What moves you? What motivates you? What would stop you from serving God? One little old flap-jawed friend saying something bad about you or making fun of you or laughing at you? People died for the faith in the past. Why can't we live for it? Look at this. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Better to finish than to begin. As our verse says in verse 8 of, our, of this powerful chapter of Ecclesiastes 7, it says, it says it's so clear. Verse 7, verse 8, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit, and better than the proud in the spirit. Better to end right. Finish what you start. But it says, None of these things move me, neither kept my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course. What's your course? With joy. It's the will of God. 
and the ministry. What's your ministry? I'll tell you what your ministry is. Same thing Apostle Paul's ministry was. Which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Just be a witness. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. Folks, what really matters? Not you. Not me. It's his glory. And folks, we need to die to things and to people and to pride. We need to die to our pride. Neither count my life dear to myself. I'm going to tell you what's the problem with most people. They care too much about themselves. They, want, they think they're here for themselves. They think they're here and this party's all about them. No, folks, this life's not about you. This life's about Him. And we are to finish our course and testify the gospel, the grace of God. Why? Because He gets the glory when we make much of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message. And God, I've enjoyed preaching it to myself because I needed it. Lord, I want wisdom. I am tired of making mistakes. And I'm tired of looking at the world through my perspective. God, I need to look through your eyes at this lost and dying world. And I need to look to problems through your eyes. And I need to look at potentials through your eyes. And dear God, I want to see this world as you see it. Not as a good luck charm, but a good Lord that has blessed me to be his child. And that Lord, even in sorrow, and death, heartache, and pain, you speak to our hearts of how good and how eternal you really are. So, Lord, I can say that it is better to go to the house of mourning than it is the house of feasting. For this is the end of all men, and the living shall lay to heart. God, would, would you please help us to lay this message to heart? And we're going to praise you and thank you.